Right. Well, good morning. Perfect. There we go. Good. We're ready to go this morning. Well, I have been blessed this morning to be able to bring a word to you. And uh, I feel very good about that. And Pastor Tom said, what do you want to teach on today? And I said, let's teach on Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Novel idea for church. But it really is. It's very cool. And I don't know about you, but uh, it doesn't look like Christmas anymore, does it? All, all the you know, trees are gone and the ornaments are down and the lights have been taken down. And all the carols that we've been hearing in all the stores since October... Sometimes even earlier, they have stopped. In fact, the day after Christmas, it all stopped, right? And the, the wrapping paper has been recycled, and the bows have been straightened and put away in their boxes, ready to use again next year. And for some reason, we have gotten excited, and we've talked about this whole Christmas thing for weeks and weeks and weeks, and all of a sudden, it's just kind of over, Right? There's a, uh, when uh, I was in high school and in college, I, I was in drama, and uh, I was, I've been in several, like, little theater things and stuff, and it was very cool. It was a lot of fun, and they had this thing called drama depression or drama downer, and what it was was after, you know, you practice for weeks and you work on your lines and the blocking and the choreography and the songs and everything like that, for weeks and hours you just invest yourself. You spend the time and opening night comes and there's that adrenaline rush and you're like, woo! And I mean, you're feeling great and then there's the next night performance and the matinee after that and that final night and the closing curtain goes down, you strike the sets, you leave, you clean up everything and what happens the next day? Nothing. It all, it's all back there somewhere. Where do we go? And you're just like, oh, there's no more adrenaline rush. There's no more preparation for something big to happen. And I think we get like that sometimes. We just spent four weeks, and Tom did an amazing series on Advent. It's a time of year where we can really focus in on what Christmas is about. And we heard the prophecies, and we heard about preparing ourselves in the celebration of, of Christmas, but But where do we go from there? And I'll tell you where we're going to go from there today. We're going back to the manger is where we're going to go. We're going to take take a look at the amazing events that kind of took place, the motivation in God's heart that led us up to this scene right here in the manger. And we talked about that for, uh, for the last few weeks. We talked about the prophecies and what God was speaking through his people in the Old Testament but there's still some motivations, there's still some, some heart feelings and attitudes that went into that that I'd like to kind of talk about because it was so significant. You have the God of the universe, grasp this, the, the God of the universe, the almighty God that we just sang about. Man, that was good. All hail the power, come on, that was some good stuff. And it lifts us. And you have that amazing God of the universe who all of a sudden becomes this little baby. Away in the manger, no crib for a bed, right? The cattle are lowing, the baby awakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Wrong. (laughs) If anybody's ever been around a baby, they cry, and Jesus was no different. Jesus cried, he ate, he slept, and he pooped. That's the four things that a baby, that's their job. And Jesus was every bit baby, and every bit little boy who ran in the street and skinned his knee and got called home late for dinner. 
He was the man. He was the servant. And he was the sacrifice for our sin. But we're going to go back to that. And so today we're going to answer two very, very important questions, which is one, why was it necessary for God to become human? Why was it necessary for that to happen? And two, what what does that mean for us today? Because I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, when I start digging into things, I want to know what that means for me. How do I apply that to my life? let's, Let's pray. Gracious God, you are good, and we thank you. We thank you for a time that we call Advent, a time that we call Christmas, a time where we can gather together and really focus in on what you've done for us. And Lord God, we take this time now to look back at that day, look back at that sacrifice, look back at what you've done, and the amount of love that it took to do that. And we love you back. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first point we're going to talk about today is why was it necessary for for God to become human, to become flesh, just like you and me? Why Why was that so important? I mean, he's God, right? If he wanted to redeem us, couldn't he just snap his finger and poof? He could write it in the stars. You know, you go out at night and the stars say, hey, repent, the end is near. He's God. I mean, he's God. If he doesn't want gravity, cool. We'll just float this morning, right? He could just show up and boom. Well, let's, uh, let's dig into that a little bit. John 1, the Gospel of John. I'm going to read from chapter 1. If you have never taken time to just grab a Bible and, and read through one of the books of the Bible to grab a chunk, John is a great place to start because it really starts out with a punch. So if you're looking for something to do this week, grab your Bible. If you don't have one, by the way, we will give you one to take home with you. But grab John and just start reading it and and look at the person of Jesus and who he is. And it starts out uh, before before these verses. It says, in the beginning, does that sound familiar? In the beginning, right, was the Word, which is Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so right there, John is establishing Jesus as part of the Trinity. He was there eternal from the very beginning of time to now. And he goes on in verses 4 and 5 to say this, In him, Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Some versions say the darkness has not overcome it, or even... The darkness has not been able to extinguish it. And the cool thing is that God is light. But the the bad thing is that we live in darkness. The hard thing is we live in darkness. And darkness can't understand light. They're, They're too far removed. If you've ever been in a very lighted area and you move into a dark area, it takes a while to adjust, doesn't it? takes a while because we can't, those two things just don't mix really well. And so we can't quite get it. And the thing is, we are born into that darkness. We are born into sin. And, and I don't know about you, but I need help. We need help, guys. And God knows that. He loves us, and so he wanted to send help. And so throughout the Old Testament, from the time that Adam and Eve sinned, 
through the time that he sent Jesus, he sent all kinds of people. He spoke to Moses and said, Moses, do this. And Moses did that. And he led his people and spoke to his people that way. And he came in clouds with thunder. And he came in big pillars of fire. He showed signs and wonders. And he he sent prophets. There are many prophets. Go through the Old Testament and that list of those people in the second half. Those were all prophets of God who spoke for God and in God's behalf. So why did he need Jesus? Well, I I don't know about you, but I'm a little thick-headed sometimes. I know it's hard to believe. You talk to my wife, she'll let you know that. I get thick-headed. I get set in my ways. Sometimes I like being in the dark, maybe. Sometimes it's comfortable. At least we know what it's about. And, and, and we need to understand the light. And God tried to help us understand the light by sending those signs, those wonders, those prophets, those men of God to come and speak. And we just couldn't quite get it. John goes on to say this in in verses 10 through 14. He, that's Jesus, was in the world, and though the world was made through him, remember he was at the beginning, the creator, the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Here's the hope, guys. Yet to all who receive him, yet to all, that's everybody, receive him. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to be called children of God. He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. That's huge. Culturally, when John was writing that, that was big. It is huge to be a child of someone important. It's big to be an heir to something big. And he's saying right now, guess what? You can be the child of God. That's why Jesus came. The word became flesh. Once again, Jesus became man. And he made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who, became, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, Jesus was the incarnate, the tangible, the touchable example of God. And so I'd like for you to do, I've got a little video for you. And as we watch this, it kind of gives some contrasting elements about the nature of Jesus. I just want you to kind of look at those and let them settle for a second and see what you think about. And it talks a little bit the difference between Jesus as part of the heavenly trinity, the creator, the eternal, Jesus the baby, the man, the servant. Check this out. really gives us a great contrast. Really, when it comes back to everything, it just comes down to love, doesn't it? Because God is love. That's not an attribute of God. That is God. God is love. What were some of the, think about this, what were some of the ones that stood out to you on that thing? And, And here they are again. The eternity entered time. The infinite became finite. Here's my favorite. The creator joined creation. 
The all-sufficient became dependent. The ever-present help became helpless. A little baby. The king of kings humbled himself and the master chose to serve. The high priest gave himself as an offering and God became man. Love is where the cross meets the cradle. Love is where the divine of God meets humanity of the baby. This guy, uh, this famous author I like a lot named J.I. Packer. Very, very heady, very academic. I read his books and it gives me a headache. Uh, But he has a lot of really good things to say about God and, and about Jesus. And in his book, Knowing God, he says this, The impression of Jesus which the Gospels give is not that he was wholly bereft or or deprived of divine knowledge and power, but that he drew on both intermittently while being content for much of the time not to do so. The impression, in other words, is not so much of one deity reduced as divine capacities restrained. I like that. Because... Thinking about Jesus, sometimes I'm going, I think, is he, you know, was he really God? Could he really do everything? I mean, he was, he was still a man. How does, that, how does that work? And he gives us a great idea of, of, of what the impression of Jesus really was. And it's not that, that Jesus, that God said, okay, here's my son. We need to just put all aside his powers and, and we're going to make him a man. But he says, here's Jesus, full of all the power, fully God holding it in, restraining it until needed. And there were times he let it go. There were times he just let it rip and awesome things were being done. But he he held back because he loves us. See, we cannot grasp the concept of Christmas or even Christianity if we don't understand the need for the baby. We need the baby. We need the man. We need the sacrifice. And so for me, when someone does something that big for me, that wonderful for me, I kind of, maybe it's my cynical nature. I kind of go, well, why'd you do that? I'm not really worth it. Or, or well, that was pretty cool. You did that for me, but, but why? What are you expecting in return, right? I need to know the motivations behind it. And again, that's probably just my sinful, cynical self, so please don't embrace that, all right? But I do want to know the motivations, and God is consistent through everything. And so he gives us a great glimpse of what his motivation is. In fact, Paul writes in the book of Philippians, one of my favorite books of the Bible, and he writes to the, to the Philippians, he writes to us what our attitude should be, and he compares it to what the attitude of Christ was. And so we get a great glimpse of that motivation through Christ's attitude. And it says this, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Listen to that. Did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. I'll come back to that. But made himself nothing taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. God made Adam. From Adam made Eve. And they had a wonderful relationship. 
He gave them the freedom to choose. And they chose to sin. And it caused a rift in that relationship between man and God. And for thousands of years, he spoke to people who spoke to us and said, you need to repent. You need to turn to our righteous God. And it wasn't working. We just weren't grasping who God was. And so finally God said, I need to send my son so they can get it. Let me give you an example of that. Here's an equation. First one to solve it gets a lollipop. If anybody can solve it without their brain exploding in the church. I look at this and it hurts me. Okay, I know what the equal sign is. And there's a subtraction sign and a plus sign. Pastor Tom could probably come up and solve it. But uh, this is the equation for ideal magnetohydrodynamics. And there's probably some of you who go, oh, yeah, that, yeah, <laughs> just forgot. This blows my mind. I don't grasp this. I don't understand what this means. I have no idea what the G means or the upside-down triangle or I got nothing, honestly. But if the physicist who wrote this came to me and said, hey, Tony, guess what? I'm going to work with you on this. I'm going to teach you what each one of those symbols mean and why it was important to have this. I, I might start getting it after a while. I probably am not going to grasp the whole thing. But, you know, after a while, I might start understanding that, well, that equals that, and this equals this, and this is what this means, and this is why this is important. I don't know why that's important. I don't even know what it means. And in the same way, Jesus came to us and walked with us, just like us, human and walked us through it and said, this is who I am. This is who the Father is. This is what the Father wants to do. And this is why. In other words, God knew that we would never fully get it. That we could never fully understand him unless he sent his son like us. In the most humble life, the life of this, this uh, verse that we read said servant, and, and another translation, in fact, the probably more accurate translation, is slave. It is low. He came humbly to serve so that we could finally have that aha moment, right? That moment where we go, ah, yeah, I get it. It's like those magic eye things. Remember those things? They looked like a bunch of little colored dots and wavy lines and stuff. And you kind of had to kind of hold them and do this. And then finally, it's a boat. I worked really hard to see a sailboat. You know, that was worth my last 15 minutes of my life. I never could get those things, man. I would just sit there and just kind of do that. And I don't know. I never could quite get that. But uh, that's what God is going for us. That's why it was important for him to come so we could get it, so we could grasp it. So we can understand God's love for us. So uh, we had those two questions we started out with, which was why was it necessary for God to become human? And the second was, well, what does that mean for us? And we kind of touched on that a little bit, but let's, let's go into that deeper. What does that mean for us? I want to know. 
What's that mean for Tony? I'm interested. Number one, Jesus is Lord. He never lost that. Jesus is Lord of all. He was fully man for a time, but he's always God for eternity. Jesus is Lord. Number two, God loves us. Guys, God loves you. Jesus loves you. If you get nothing from today, hear this. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you so much. In fact, later on, John writes a a very famous verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that if we believe in him, we should not perish, but what? everlasting life with him we have everlasting life with him God wants nothing more than just to hang out with us to live with us to have a relationship with us to do life with us he didn't create us just to watch us walk around he created us to have a relationship before that sin and all that goofy stuff happened in the garden he hung out with Adam They talked together. They enjoyed relationship. Number three is this. God, dig this. Maybe you've never heard this before. God pursues us so that we may have a continuing love relationship with him through Jesus Christ. You see, God doesn't meet us halfway. I'll tell you that right now. God meets us all the way. God doesn't wait for us to show up and make a decision. He pursues us. He runs after us hard, and he's right in front of us, and we just have to say, come on, give me a hug. I'm ready. He pursues us because he wants that relationship, that love, deep love relationship through Jesus Christ. And then fourth is this. Here's the cool part. We get to play. God invites us to join him in what he is doing. Everyone gets to play, not just the professional guys who stand up here. Pastor Tom likes to call it. Not just the pastors or the missionaries. Not the people who work at the free store, but everybody gets to play. And maybe God is calling you to be the best plumber you can be. The best school teacher that you can be. The greatest architect ever to live. Not that you do great things, but you do it with a godly heart. He's calling you to join him. That's cool. That's big. This is, remember, let's go back to the beginning here. This is the God of the universe. The God that created everything. And he wants nothing more than for you to say, okay, God, let's do it. I love you. And I know you love me. Sometimes that's hard to grasp. Sometimes it's hard because we feel so unloved. Sometimes it's hard, it just, if we don't feel unloved, maybe we just feel like God's way out there and somehow we're way down here and, and somehow there's a disconnect. But I want you to know this, if you leave with nothing else, God loves you. And I'm going to invite the, the band to come back up. And as we do, and uh, as we do, I want to invite also uh, our prayer folks to come up.
our prayer ministry people. And those, these are people who have had training, who, who have gone through classes to learn how to pray with you and, and have some time with you. And they're going to come up and stand over here, if you guys would. And uh, if you're sitting here right now and you're thinking to yourself, I, I, I'm not getting it. I hear what you're saying, and it makes some sense, but right now it all looks like that big physics equation to me, and I'm just not getting it. Guys, God's calling you to get it. Not for his sake, but for yours. He's calling you to join him in a love relationship. He's calling you, he's calling me, he's calling all of us to be loved by him in a way that we could never dream Some of you have already experienced that. A lot of us have. And it's great. I just want more. That's what he's calling us to. So as we go through this next, uh, we're going to spend a little time in worship here. And if you just need that time to pray with someone, to have someone pray for you, because you're just not feeling it. There's a disconnect somewhere between heaven and, and you. These people are here to pray with you. Nothing fancy. We're not asking you to join the church or give extra money or do anything like that. We just want you to be loved. We want you to be loved a lot. We want you to know the love of the Father. Let's worship.